Let's pray together, church. Thank you, Father, for this moment that we can come, we can worship you, and we can praise you. Lord, we make that claim. Lord, we want to believe it, that you are enough for us, Lord. And so it's not just our song, it is our cry today, Lord. May you be all we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, worship team. Can we give them a huge round of applause just to say thank you for leading us today? So good to, to be able to come together and worship. Um, I don't know about you, but it's, it's definitely been a week for me. Uh, it's had its ups and downs, and you kind of come to the Sabbath, and you're like, okay, I just need to take a deep breath. You know, just reset and pause and remember um, what this day is all about. And I'm just so grateful that we can do this today, that we can come together, we can worship together, we can lay aside all that's happened in the past week at the foot of the cross and just say, Jesus, thank you for your goodness. And we can just bask in that and embrace it together. And it's so beautiful. And um, you're just so grateful to be here in the house of the Lord this morning. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to guess the pronunciation of this word. This is a Greek word, and I want you to guess how it's pronounced. It's not pronounced the way. That's a, that's a, that's a hint. <laughs> Who wants to shout out a guess? How's this word pronounced? The way of the cross. Hey? Olos? Hodos. Oh, okay. How about over here? Ojos. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's definitely a choice. Kayla, what do you reckon, mate? All right, some very good guesses. The correct, the connect, the correct pronunciation, see what I did there? That wasn't even intentional. The correct pronunciation of this word is hodos. Hodos. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, hodos. Hodos. And what that word means is right below it there. It means the way. And this year as a church, you might have seen some people walking around with wristbands like this or hats. Um, usually the Ong boys rock them, so I love it. It's great. But it says walking the way, and that is our theme this year as a church, walking the way. And as we talk about the way, what we're referring to is what is the Greek word, which is hodos, and it means the way, right? And, and we see this word all over the, the Bible. It, it appears all the time. But because it, they're such simple words, uh, we can often skim over it and, and miss what the word means. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to unpack a bit of what this word means and we're hopefully going to come to a conclusion that points us to Jesus. Right? And we're going to see how Jesus interacts with this idea of the way and what it means for our lives today. So before that, I have a question that I need you to, to answer for me. It's a very important question, a very serious question, uh, because I need help. Okay? So the question is going to appear on screen. I want you to yell out your answers. What should you take when you go hiking? I need help with this. Water, food, very important. What else? Hiking boots, yes, Jesse. You can do it. Hiking stick, yes. I once hiked with those, it was amazing until I got some blisters. Yeah, Caleb. Hiking bag, yes, a backpack, yeah. Compass. A sleeping bag and a mat, yes. If you ever do a Pathfinder camp and it's more than one day, Sleeping bag and a mat are very, very good things to bring. There's one, someone who knows the way. Yes, that would be helpful for me when I go hiking, definitely. Ryan, what do you reckon? Sorry? Rope, yes, definitely. You never know how often rope is going to come in handy. How about over here, last one? Yeah, last one? Tent, yes. Right, it's great if you've if you got a, a sleeping bag and a mat, but if you don't have a tent, 
might get a bit cold or a bit wet at night. Thanks for sharing, guys. I'm going to share a hiking story with you right now, and I took barely any of those things on this hike, okay? That's why I said I needed help, because I need to be better at hiking. I have way too many bad hiking stories that I'm not proud of. But this one took place uh, a few months ago. It took place in March of this year. And March of this year, I went to a place called Jindabyne, to the Adventist Alpine Village. Um, and the owners of the place said, whenever you... Uh, Bring up AAV, you have to say AAV place to be. Okay, so that's just part of my contract with the church. Um, AAV place to be. If you go into the snow, go check it out. It's right near Threadbow there. So um, beautiful place there. But we went down there for interns camp this year. And all the interns in the Adventist church in Australia, we get together every two years. Um, so this was like the chance I had to go. And, and you, you spend a week getting training, um, catching up with a bunch of your classmates, learning a bit more about um, what the kind of expectations are around internship and stuff like that. It was a great experience. Um, and we went there, and while we were there, someone had the bright idea that we should, at some point in the week, climb Mount Kosciuszko. It's only about 40 minutes away, and for those who don't know, Mount Kosciuszko is the highest point in Australia. And they thought, you know, it would be great if we could climb Mount Kosciuszko together. And someone popped in after that and said, oh, we should do it on Sabbath. We haven't got anything on that day. Let's do it on Sabbath. And someone else, and this is where I think the idea got a bit worse, said, let's do sunrise on top of Australia on Sabbath. But by that point, the idea had gained so much momentum that that was the decision that was landed on. <laughs> and um, I was one of like, the youngest ones there, and so like, I kind of felt a bit obliged to go with it because there were some people a lot older than me that were doing it. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to have to go for this. We're going to do it. Um, and I'd climbed Mount Kosciuszko once before after Camp Rhea a few years ago, and I had all the proper gear, and it was a pretty good experience. It was during the day, so it was really nice. But... Um, as we started to think through and plan out this hike, I started to get more and more concerned because um, we realised that like, with the wind chill factor on top of Australia, uh, the morning we were going to go, it was predicted to feel like minus four degrees. Um, I kind of took clothes like this to, like, to interns camp and I took like one set of shorts and a shirt and stuff. Um, I took like, some, some shoes that weren't designed for hiking um, and I wasn't exactly equipped for this hike. But pride got the better of me, and I decided we would go for it anyway. And uh, we ended up getting to a place called Charlotte's Pass at about 4 a.m. that morning, because sunrise was happening at about 6, and we had a 9-kilometer hike uphill ahead of us. And um, there was kind of loose rocks all the way up, and it wasn't the most comfortable on your feet, even if you do have hiking shoes, and I was in these shoes that weren't great at all. But when we got to the top, this was the view that we had. How amazing is that? So that's the view on that Sabbath morning from the top of Australia. It was, it was incredible. Uh, I've got a picture of myself up the top. Um, does that look like the face of someone who's having a great time? <laughs> it's like, force the smile, force the smile, make it look like you're happy. Uh, this was the whole group of us that did it. So you can see I, I managed to acquire some ski pants. I'm wearing about 17 layers. Um, I've got some gloves as well. Great thing about being at a ski place is that sometimes people leave stuff there, so I managed to borrow a bit of stuff, and it was okay. But I want to draw your attention to one particular part of this photo, and that part is my feet. Now, on my feet, you will see some shoes, and they're called Nike Metcons. This isn't a plug for Nike, but this is what the Nike Metcon looks like. Uh, these shoes are designed for like being, like doing like gym work, like on like a softer surface, you know, doing weight training stuff like that. Um, as you can see, heel support is virtually non-existent in these shoes. Uh, they're not designed for long walking, let alone hiking, let alone hiking uphill, let alone hiking uphill at 4 a.m. in the morning where you can't see and you're hiking on loose gravel. Um, I had sore feet after this hike for like three weeks. I think I did like some kind of permanent damage because my right foot still kind of hurts when I like lean on it wrong. Um, but hey, we got a good photo out of it, so uh, worth it maybe. 
But there were definitely points in that hike when I was thinking to myself, surely I could have done this better. Like, surely. Why did I do this to myself? Surely I could have made this a better experience. And I think if we're honest, there are definitely times in our walk with God when we ask ourselves that question. Surely I could be doing this better. Surely things could be better than this. Surely I should be more prepared for this. Surely things could be better. And that's what today's message is all about. Because in Jesus, we find the best way to be human. In Jesus, we find the answer to that question. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into this message, and we're going to unpack today how this idea of the way communicates this new way to be human. So would you join me now as I pray? Father in heaven, I thank you, and I praise you that we can be here this morning, and we can unpack your word together. I ask that you would rid me of myself, that your spirit would fill this place, fill every single one of our hearts, so that we can be receptive to the message you have for us. And I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a bit of context to that word, the way. Uh, it has like a couple of different meanings. So we're just going to unpack those real quick before we get into it. Um, the way can kind of mean three things, okay? And the first thing that it can mean is it can mean the goal of this life, as in the, the end goal, the, the, the place where we're going, the way, right? That's, that's one meaning. Another potential meaning of this word is it can mean the path that we walk on. So like, say we've got Metricon Stadium down the road there. Um, the way there, I could say, all right, you get to these lights out here, uh, you turn left, and it's just there on your left a few hundred meters up the road. That's the way there. Or I could say, um, you, rather than turning left at the lights, you go right, you go up the motorway, you take Smith Street exit, then you go down Olsen Ave, then you come back onto Narang Broad Beach Road, and then it's just there on your right. Both ways to get there, I had to memorize that there, because that's, man, that's a lot of roads. Um, but those are both ways to get there, right? And so it's talking about the path, like, to where you're going. But then throughout Scripture, there's kind of like an extra meaning that kind of surrounds this word as well. And that is this. It is not just the goal of this life or the path we walk on, but it's how we walk. It's how we get there. Right? It's the kind of attitude or the demeanor that we take as we're on the way. And so we're going to open up the Bibles now and go to the book of Mark. And in Mark, we're going to go to chapter 1. So in your Bibles, if you haven't read much of the Bible before, there's two main sections. You've got the Old Testament, the New Testament. Mark is the second book of the New Testament, right? And the New Testament starts when Jesus enters onto the scene. And Mark is one of those first four books that unpacks the life and ministry and teachings of Jesus. And we're going to go to the very start of the book of Mark. So if you find the book, there's going to be a big word Mark at the top. And there's going to be some numbers on there. We'll talk about those in just a moment. But in the book of Mark is where we're going to start. So the big numbers, the chapters, small numbers of verses. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Let's go. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen behind me here. And what I've done is I've highlighted where this word, the way, comes up so that you guys can, can, can see it. But it says this. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. From the very beginning of the book of Mark, we see this word way pop up straight away. And it's linked with the book of Isaiah, which is an Old Testament book which talks a lot about Jesus and what his ministry would be about. And as I did some study and prep for this message, I went back and I started reading through Isaiah. And what I started to find was that this idea of the way is like woven all through the book of Isaiah as well. And so as you go to Isaiah, you see like passages like Isaiah 40 verse 3. It says, listen, it's a voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make straight a highway through the wasteland for our God. 
or, per, or verses like this, which is God speaking to Israel. He says, I will lead blind, blind Israel down a new path, guiding them along an unfamiliar way. I will brighten the darkness before them and smooth out the road ahead of them. Yes, I will indeed do these things. I will not forsake them. And so there's kind of this like, we'll call it a thematic link. It's like there's a bridge between Isaiah and Mark. And the, the bridge is kind of formed by this word, the way. And so when you read the book of Mark, every time you see the word, the way, usually Mark has been very deliberate about how he's used it. And he's used it to give you like a callback to Isaiah and to passages like this, which talk about why Jesus came. And what that means is that when we see the word, the way, we need to think straight away. This is something where Jesus is central to what is going on here. That's what we need to bring to mind. And in the book of Mark, the very next time the word, the way appears, hodos, is in Mark chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, let's turn to Mark 8. And it's in verse 27. This is the very next time that the word, the way, pops up. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others, they say you're one of the prophets. But he asked them, but who do you say that I am? While they're on the way, Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. Jesus reveals to his disciples that he is the Christ on the way. The end of that passage, we don't have it up here, but Jesus says he told them not to tell anyone because it was not his time yet. So we kind of get the impression the disciples have figured out who Jesus is. And this is the first time that we see Jesus revealing his Messiahhood, we'll call it, that he is God, that he is who he claims to be. He is the one whom all these verses in Isaiah are pointing to, and he reveals that on the way. And what this tells us, it just again, it just reaffirms it again, is that the way is centered on Jesus. That when we come across this word, what it talks about and what it is centered on is the idea that Jesus should be the center of this passage. Jesus should be the center of how we understand this passage. And it's a beautiful word that is used throughout the Bible, and it continually talks about that. You might be thinking, okay, this is all kind of cool little links and connections and stuff, but what does it mean in practice? Like, how does it actually connect with my experience? There's a beautiful story in Mark 10, and we're going to unpack that in just a moment. And in that story, what we're going to see is, the, is how the way is lived out. Okay? How this word, the way, and have Jesus at the center, how it's actually lived out. So Tom is going to play a video now, and this video is going to paint a picture of this story. Then we're going to read it, and we're going to unpack it.
All right. I'm kind of glad it didn't have sand because remember we had to pay really close attention to what was going on there. Um, that story is the story of a man named Bartimaeus. And as we go to the book of Mark chapter 10, what we see is this story in real life. So I want you to try and think of those images as we're reading these verses. It says, And they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his followers. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. The word there is hodos, the way. Sitting by the way. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. He cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called to the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. It's my prayer that every single one of us in this room, no matter where we find ourselves, will be able to see ourselves in this story. Maybe you find yourself in a position today where you're kind of an observer, where you're observing from a distance this whole Christianity, Jesus, faith, religion thing. Maybe you're like Bartimaeus and there's parts of, you, parts of your life that you want to be better and you don't really know how to fix them. And you see this religion thing passing by or that's happening around you and you're just observing. Maybe you're at a space where you, you realize there's something about Jesus, there's something different about him that, that could make all the difference in your life. And maybe if you find yourself in that space, you started to, to try and cry out to him. You started to ask questions. You, you started to investigate what this is all about. Maybe you've been doing that for a little while, but you're not getting anything back. And you feel like, what's the point? It must be all useless. If Jesus isn't speaking back to me, why am I putting in this effort? Or maybe other people are saying, no, that's not how God works. That's not how this works. You have to do it this way. Maybe other people are pushing you back and rebuking you, like in the story of Bartimaeus, and saying, no, that's not what God is about. Maybe you need to be encouraged and empowered today to continue that pursuit of Jesus. Because I guarantee when you call out to Jesus, he hears you. It's really interesting. This story is also uh, found in the book of Luke as well. And it says that from the moment Jesus entered Jerusalem, Bartimaeus started crying out to him for healing. Whereas Mark says that he's not healed until Jesus is leaving. Not Jerusalem, sorry, leaving Jericho. And the logical conclusion we have to draw from that is that from the moment Jesus entered to the moment he left Jericho, Bartimaeus was crying out to him for healing. There's something about that persistent faith there that I think is really beautiful and something that we can reflect on in our own journeys and think, man, did I ask for something once and then expect God to answer it and then he did and I got really angry at him? Or did I have the faith to continue asking and to continue praying and trusting that in his way and in his timing he would answer that prayer? 
maybe like in the story of Bartimaeus, you've, 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 you've come to, to see Jesus and, 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 and maybe you feel like Jesus is calling you to him. Maybe for some time you've been putting it off or been just listening out and working out what to do with this. But when you go to Jesus, you realize that he is calling you. In Revelation, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens that door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Jesus wants a relationship with every single one of us. And just like he called Bartimaeus, he calls every single one of us every single day. He wants us to be in a relationship with him, to know him, to be with him. Maybe you find yourself in a relationship with Jesus, but there's a particular part of your life that you need help with. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's with your studies. Maybe it's with a dependency or an addiction. Maybe it's, maybe it's in, in, in your workplace. Maybe it's with a specific people. Maybe like Bartimaeus, you could pray specifically for that thing and give it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need help with this. Maybe you're waiting for that miracle. Maybe you're waiting for that healing. No matter where you find yourself on this journey along the way, I can promise you this, that the way forward is found in Jesus. That the way forward is found in Jesus. Because the way is centered on Jesus. It's all about him. And I love that story of Bartimaeus because it says that once he'd received that miracle, Jesus says, hey, go your way. But Bartimaeus realized that his way had no meaning or value or purpose without following Jesus. And so it said rather than going his way, he went and followed Jesus on the way. That rather than going down his own path and doing things his own way, he decided that it was more uh, valuable and, and it was more purpose-driven to follow Jesus on his way. And so we come to, well, what might it look like if I were to apply this to my life? How can, how can I make this a reality where I find myself? You know, we said at the start that the way can talk about the goal of this life, the path we walk on, and then how we get there. And so when we talk about walking the way, here's what it means. It means that we are walking towards Jesus, that the goal of our life isn't, isn't the, the normal ideas that the world has about success or about a relationship or about body image or about results or anything like that. The goal of this life should be centered around Jesus. So that we're walking towards Jesus. And then we talk about the path that we walk on. Right? When we're walking the way, we, we say that we're walking with Jesus. That we, the path we walk on isn't our own, but it's the path that Jesus has for us. And what that looks like is that's in our decisions, in our conversations, in our questioning. Jesus is a part of it all. Because when we're walking with Jesus, we're walking the path that he wants us to be walking on. And then finally, when we're walking the way... We are walking like Jesus. How have you built your life around the rhythms, around the, uh, around the practices, around the disciplines that Jesus lived out? This is what it looks like to walk the way, church. It's that we're walking towards Jesus, we're walking with Jesus, and we're walking like Jesus. And so as we reflect on these right now, I want to ask you a few questions. I just want you to, to reflect on these as, as I bring this message to a close. How are you walking towards Jesus? What are the goals that you have in your life? Is Jesus a part of those? Should he be a bigger part of those goals?
To what extent is Jesus the end to which you are walking? How are you walking with Jesus? What does that look like in your life? How often do you pray before making decisions? Yeah, so good. How are we walking like Jesus? What kind of passage, what kind of uh, practices do we live out each day, each week, each month, each year to make sure that our lives reflect the way that Jesus lived his life? Are our lives just defined by busyness, by, by worry, by fear, by doubt? How have we taken the yoke of Jesus and put it on? Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So how are we walking like Jesus? Is Sabbath, for you, is that a day of stress, of worry, of burden, of weight? Or is it a day of rest, of stopping, of reflecting, of relationship building, filled with joy, filled with peace? How might we better walk towards Jesus? How might we better walk with Jesus? And how might we better walk like Jesus? Because when we're reflecting on these things, when we're talking about these things, we start walking the way without even trying. Because this is what it means. When we build our whole lives on and around Jesus, that's what walking the way is all about. And so church, as I pray now, I invite you to just bring the answer to one of those questions to God. Ask the whole heap there. Maybe one of them really connected with where you find yourself right now. I invite you just to bring that and with me to lay at the foot of the cross that answer. We're going to pray and we're going to ask for God for healing, for restoration. We're going to ask God that He might move in a new and a powerful way in each of our lives. So would you join me now as I pray? Father in heaven, I praise you for who you are. Lord, that you are a God who took on flesh and dwelt among us. Lord, that that you presented for us a new way to be human. That we didn't have to ask ourselves that question, you know, surely things could be better. Surely I'm, I'm doing something wrong. But we can look to Jesus and in Jesus we can find what it truly means to be human. We can find true meaning, true life. We can find true love. We can find true purpose. We can find true peace, true satisfaction. And Lord, we've each got something that we want to lay at the foot of your cross now. And we're bringing it to mind in this moment and we're just saying, God, it is yours. Lord, I believe that there are relationships that will be healed. I believe that there are tough situations that will be restored. I believe there are financial situations that you're going to move into and move in. Lord, I believe there is grief and hurt and pain that you are going to come alongside. I'm believing that you will work in a new and powerful way because that is what you promised to do. You can, you will, and you do more than we could ask or think or imagine. And Lord, I pray that each day as we follow you, that you might remain the center of our goals, that you might be the one to whom we're walking to, that you might define the way there, and you might show us what it means each day to follow after you. Lord, this is my prayer in the mighty name of Jesus, who is coming soon. Amen.